Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. special treat for you this morning, um, our brother in Christ, who is um, becoming an ever more dear brother to me. Uh, he is the pastor over at Bridges Community Church. I was given the privilege of going to, to preach there a few weeks ago, and so I asked him to come today and bless us. Uh, and so I'm excited for the word that he has for us this morning. Uh, and, I, and I think it's important that we are mindful as much as we talk about the hopes and dreams that we have of what of God is doing through South Bay, is that we are not alone in this kingdom battle. And that God has people all around the globe and even in this city who are co-laborers with us. Uh, the word says the harvest isn't the problem. The harvest is plentiful. So whenever we see another co-laborer for the Lord, we are to rejoice and support and encourage uh, I know he will have uh, a word that will bless you this morning. And so would you please just join me in welcoming uh, our brother, Pastor Ron King from Bridges Community Church. How are we doing now? You good? All right. It's such an honor to be here. Um, thank you very much. As Pastor Brian said, he had the, um, we had the joy of having him come and bring God's word. And here's the truth of it. The Lord God loves um, to bring brothers and sisters in him together for his mission, for his purposes. And um, we believe that deeply at Bridges, and I know that you believe it deeply here and the way that he accomplishes his purpose is to draw us close to himself and then to draw us close to neighbors who have yet to meet him. And then through our lives, we have this great privilege of being able to be influencers in this place. And so we're going to get into God's word. I hope it sharpens you and encourages you. And that doesn't depend on me, by the way. We're trusting the Holy Spirit to do a good work in us through me. So... Um, we're going to get into God's Word. I invite you to turn your Bible open to Romans chapter 3. Now, um, how many of you have ever been to a wedding? Probably all of us, right? Most of us all. And some of you have stood there as the bride or the groom. When I stood before my lovely wife, Sue, this is my wife, Sue, right here. She's with us um, today. Thank you. So this was... Uh, a little, like 26 years ago, I'm standing there and I'm a, you know, I'm a younger guy and um, didn't have any track record of making this kind of promises. And you know, all the things that are happening during the wedding, all the show and stuff, and it comes down to this time where the pastor is before you and you're making promises. And I'm thinking in the moment, you know, not of uh, being scared in front of people because I I did that as a profession to speak. It, I wasn't afraid of kind of the moment because it was friends and family. I was scared, spitless, I think, 
because of the things I was saying to my dear wife. I was, I was making these promises that seemed, they're like, there's no way I was going to be able to come through with it. And my heart was beating hard, and I was thinking, oh, man, how can I? And now I'm, I'm saying this in front of everybody that's going to hold me accountable to this, and how am I ever going to? And the Lord God himself is listening to me as I say these things. It's hard. And now um, I get the joy as a pastor to have the best seat in the house as this happens, as couples come together and they make these promises to one another. And when that happens, when they're making these promises, I always take a moment and look up and kind of scan the crowd of the experienced ones out there, kind of nodding their head as the promises are being made, thinking, you don't know, right? (laughs) And the godly ones out there, they're praying for the mercy of God on this couple, right? They're saying, oh, Lord, they don't know what they're getting into. But you're going to have them, please, Lord, by your grace and mercy, give them forgiveness when they're going to, when they're going to violate those promises, when they're going to go back on some, because of circumstances, because of their own sinfulness, whatever it might be. Lord, please save this marriage for your glory. That's, that's the truth of what we make these promises. And we all know this. Promises can be slippery. They're tough. And anybody that's made a promise to you, you've had promises made to you, right? Some of them dear and hard, and, and you've been disappointed because people have not come through with their word. They've lacked integrity. They've they failed because of one reason or another to come through. But you shouldn't be too quick to point the finger, right? Because you know that you have failed yourself. You failed in some of your promises. We're not very good at being promise keepers especially the promises we make to God. But the great thing is, God loves promises. And life itself this week will turn on promises. And those promises are not the promises that you've made or someone near to you has made to you. They're the promises of God himself, the sovereign God himself. And the reason why they're different it's because God's character is different than you are. His character is different than mine. His character is true and faithful and perfect and pure. And not only that, God is different than me in power. There are circumstances that happen in my life, and I, I can't follow through with some of the promises I've made because things have changed, and I'm powerless to change them. But you know this, right? That our God, the God that we were just singing about, the God that we've come to worship, and maybe you're just at a point where you're asking questions about this God. That's why you're here today. That God is sovereign in his power. He created the heavens and the earth, all the cosmos, and this same God, the sovereign God, is the one who makes promises. This book, God's very word to us, is a book of promise with these amazing, stunning, fabulous promises to you and to me. And that's, in one way, very shocking. Those of you who have walked for a season of your life, for a long season of your life with the Lord, you know this. It becomes more and more surprising and amazing to you because you become more and more aware of your own failing your own broken promises to God, and yet God in his mercy and faithfulness and his power is true to you. And he loves to promise 
Today, I'd like you to just examine a couple promises in God's word, three of them. There are a lot of them, by the way. And you might want to ask yourself sometime, why does God make all these promises to me? Because really, when you read scripture, you know that the promises in here, they kind of ooze out of God. There are a lot of them. I believe he makes them out of his dear love for you, his, his passionate, his tenacious, his faithful love as a father. Just loves to give his kids the very best. Just longs to do that. He can't help himself because he, he loves to treat you that way even though you don't deserve it. Even though I don't deserve it. This is the God that, that we hear about in his word. And from the very beginning of scripture all the way through, you'll see these promises. Here's the first one I'd like us to think and consider that God bless you. God says in his word, I will bless you. Now, it's one thing for us to say, because God, you've done all these things for us. I will bless you back. But why would God bless you? What does he get out of that? Not much. I know some of you have great capacity and you're very intelligent and you can do a lot of things well. What do you really have to bring to the table back to God? We didn't do anything to deserve his mercy and grace. It's not in our own strength, our own intelligence, our own capacity, the things that we have done. Because as scripture says, no one is righteous. No, not one, not one of you is. But God, in his mercy and in his love as a father, says, oh, dear child, I, I want to bless you. I love you. I'm going, to bless, I'm going to bless you. And in return, God asks for only one thing out of you. You know what that is? Trust. Your faith. God came to Abram, Genesis chapter 12, and had a conversation with Abram, and he called Abram out of the place where he was living, and Sarah out of the place where she was living, to, to go to another place. They didn't know where they were going. He just called them. They took a step of faith. It was just faith. That's all he required. And he said, Abram, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your generations. And it's just about all you have to do in return is trust me. And from that day on, Abraham did everything right. You haven't read the story? Man, if you read the chapters out of Gen- after Genesis chapter 12, you, you understand that both Abram and Sarah, they, they kept blowing it. They tried to trust God, and then circumstances happened, and they got afraid, or they started looking for themselves and their own strength, or they, whatever happened. But they tried to rely on their own ingenuity and their own capacity, and they failed. All God wanted was faith. Child, I want to bless you. Just trust me. And from that day, he was weaving this story that the righteous should live by yeah, the righteous should live by faith. Faith, as Paul helps us understand in Galatians chapter 2, and the Son of God who has loved us and given himself for us, that's the point, drawing us to that point of faith. And here in Romans chapter 3, Paul spells it out where all of the Old Testament was headed to this point. And he says this in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. 
But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested or made known and apparent and in the flesh apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The Old Testament, the law and the prophets were pointing this direction. Which direction? When I was uh, in first grade, I had a teacher, Mrs. Smith, who was very strict. And she had a couple very strict guidelines that you did not cross the line over. One, when she was talking, you zipped it. You did not talk. Two, in her classroom, you did not get up out of your seat unless she told you you could get out of your seat. So I'm doing all my work, get it all done fast. I notice my friend is struggling with his work, so I pop up out of my seat, go over there, start helping. I hear this, Ronald. Now, only my mom calls me that. My wife calls me Ron. My friends call me Ron. My teacher just called me Ronald. I got to look up. She said, you get back in your seat right now, young man. So you don't mess with Mrs. Smith. I went back to my seat. I just started thinking about things. And I, I was kind of a little antsy. I was a first grade kid, you know. About five minutes later, I'm up out of my seat. I'm walking around, you know, helping my friends do their work. I hear it second time. Ronald Lewis, you get in your seat or I'll tie you to your seat. I thought, she can't do that. (laughs) Now, that was quite a few years ago. So, you know, she would probably lose her job if she did what she did that day. About 10 minutes later, I'm up out of my seat. I'm helping my friends do their work. She says, young man. She walks up there, grabs me by the nape of the neck, sticks me in the seat. You stay right there. She goes to her chair, back to her desk. She pulls out a rope. She has a rope in her desk. (laughs) And she ties me to my chair. And all my friends are looking at me like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) that's the law. The law ties us in, it confines us, it forces us to realize that we've been a violator. The law makes sure that each of us knows that we are in sin and held captive by our sin. But the great truth of Scripture is that righteousness is not found by works. That the Lord God has come to release me, to give me freedom. That's the whole book of Galatians. Helping me understand that I am free in Christ. I am no longer bound by my sin and my shame and my guilt that it produces. But I'm now free. And I live in front of a God who says, Ron, Ron, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you first and foremost with a right relationship with me. That's healthy and good. And that's eternal. It brings life into you. Not only that, I'm going to bless you with an inheritance as my child. Now think about the wealth of God. It's immeasurable. That's the wealth that you have as a child of his. I'm going to bless you. I have a long list of blessings for you, Ron. What I want from you is to trust. Is to trust me. That's how I release my blessings And Paul says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Everyone here, everyone across this globe, for all who believe, there is life. 
And if you came this morning, maybe you've uh, been putting on some really good appearances about church. But you've been asking questions, serious questions inside. How do I really have relationship with God? How do I really know that that's true and right? And I'm not just singing about it, but I really have relationship with God. Do I have to do one more good thing? Do I have to wear something? Do I have to do something to impress the people here at South Bay? No. It only requires your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who has loved you from before you were a thought in your parents' mind to today. You place your faith in him and it's his righteousness that's given to you. That's what rescues us for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Don't you love that? There's no distinction, no socioeconomic distinction, no cultural distinction. At, at Bridges, we do church in seven languages. We have people, a lot of different kinds of people from a lot of different cultures. Don't you love that there is no distinction? We all stand before God equally, regardless of our culture or our background, our family origin, where we came from, our race, our, our wealth, whatever. None of that matters. None of it. We are all standing before God. And how do we stand before him? Especially when it says this, for all have, oh, you know that. We're all great at it. We've all violated God. We've all separated ourselves from God. Actually, the word is a little bit more harsh than that, isn't it? More firm than that. It says that, that we have become his enemies. when We disobey. And yet, that's not where it ends. If that's where it ends, we wouldn't be here today. There'd be nothing worth celebrating. There wouldn't be a baptism today. I'm telling you that. Boy, I look forward to seeing that. We can stand only because of the righteousness of God. Even though we are sinners, he forgives and gives grace and mercy in our time of need. We fall short of the glory of God, but we are justified and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, that was a weak amen to that. Yeah. Yeah, amen to that. The blessing of God, first and foremost, isn't about material stuff. It's not about my circumstances, which sometimes are going to be difficult and hard. It's not about my family or my work. The blessings of God, first and foremost, is that the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, would love me and invite me into relationship with himself, and bless me far more than I can understand. Today, I want to respond to that blessing more than I responded yesterday to the blessing of God, knowing that he blessed. That's just one of the promises, and I'm just scratching at the blessing. You know this, don't you? Those of you who know his word. There's a second blessing I wanted to underscore today because I've just been thinking a lot about it and the place that we live. The second blessing of God is a statement that Jesus made where he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's found in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus is having a dialogue with his disciples and they've been trying to understand who he is and what he's doing with them. 
I'm going to pick it up here in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came, Matthew 16, into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who's the Messiah? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Pregnant pause there, quiet. They're all hoping Peter will say it, speak up. They're afraid. Peter's pretty good at speaking up. And this is the one time where he really gets it right. He really nails it, this confession that he says. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. That's the revelation. The father helps us understand who the son is. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Was it Peter that he's building his church on? No, it's, it's on this great revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the living God who is in our midst. And because of that, we can have confidence as a church and move forward and advance, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We can storm them. That's so important for us, men and women, because we live in a city that is far from Christian, far from knowing Christ. This morning, we gathered here. People gathered over at Inroads Church, and people gathered at Harbor Light and at Bridges. They gathered all over at FCC, a lot of different churches in our city. And all those people combined make up about 6% of the population of Fremont. Over 90% of the people around us are not following Jesus. That's a big deal. But the gates of hell will not prevail. So what does that mean? It's not all about South Bay. It's certainly not all about Bridges. But it means together the capital C church moves forward on our knees, right? Humbly, with the power of God and with his promise that our church will advance. Our church, if we're following the Lord Jesus, will move forward together to reach these people for the Lord Jesus Christ and his namesake. And they can have life in him if we live as the church Jesus praying in John 17, Oh Lord, let them be one as you and I are one. Let them be one so that they may know, so the world may know this truth, this reality. That's why it's so significant that our churches are the church, capital C, together. There might be different ways of doing things. Some churches have pews and some have chairs. Some people sing different forms of music. Man, I tell people when they start complaining about our music at our church, and by the way, we've got, we've got good music, but when people start complaining about church, I say, oh man, there's two things that are going on in my heart. First, I wish I could take them all across the world and worship in a different country every Sunday, and they would see how God's people worship in different forms all across the world, and God's pleased with all of it, right? He doesn't say, oh man, the choir was a little flat today. No, he doesn't say that. You weren't, by the way. You did a great job. I thought you were great. I was loving it. 
Yeah, you can. No, but we, we all together are one. And we worship the Lord God who has loved us and given himself for us. And together we do that. We, we put aside those distractions of different ways that we might do things that are birthed out of our culture and our family of origin. And we say together we're the church and it's too important what's happening right now in our city. Do you realize that we live in an unprecedented time? When has Fremont ever had all these people groups come to us? If you've been a believer for a season of time, you know that missions was always in your mind thinking about, yeah, we've got this call. The call is, Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of every ethnos, every people group. And we thought, wow, we're going to have to send people all over the world. Do you realize today there are over 150 languages spoken in the public school? Today, the nations are right here in our neighborhood. And together, we as a church can advance and reach them for the name of Jesus. He's doing something powerful. Will the church rise up and be the church? Dear brothers and sisters, we at Bridges need you. And we need to be partners in the kingdom for his namesake. Together, we do this great mission under the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is sovereign and powerful to fulfill all of his promises to us. We just get the privilege of doing it together and marching forward. So I love this promise that that he would be the one to say, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, they're not going to prevail. Don't sweat that. And here's why I don't sweat it. Because of the third promise I've been thinking about a lot this week. That he is present. That he is with us. When Jesus said, I am with you at the end of the Great Commission, they're hearing it, I think. That, that their mission, your mission, my mission as a follower of Jesus is to make disciples. That, that's pretty clear. Of every ethnos. And I think when they stepped back, they thought, wait a second, we're just a handful of people here. How is that, how is that possible? How is that humanly possible? It's not humanly possible. But with God, all things are. Everything is possible with the power of God working through us to accomplish this mission. But I'm sure when they're hearing it, they're wondering. And that's why he doesn't end with that phrase. That's why he goes on to say, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Really? Did I live that way this week? Like the Lord God was present with me. It's a wonderful story in Mark chapter 4 that, that Mark relates to us where Jesus and his disciples get in this little boat. And there's some other boats alongside and they're going across the other side. They're actually going into enemy territory across the, the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And a storm rises up. You know the story, some of you? Storm rises up out of nowhere. And these fishermen, they do this. Many of them are professional fishermen. They do this all the time, and they are afraid. They're terrified, it says in Scripture. And Jesus, what's he doing in the boat? Taking a nap, right? He's sleeping. 
And you think, how is that, how is that possible? I don't know how that's possible, but you know what Jesus is doing. He's working them. And so in the middle of their panic, Jesus says, the, the disciples say to Jesus, teacher. Actually, he was a lot more than a teacher. That, that's what they thought at the moment, that he was a rabbi, just a rabbi. And they were learning more about him. And Jesus gets up as that storm is raging, and he says, be quiet, be calm. And this hush goes over the, the waters. And I'm sure just when there's goosebump times, right? They're in this boat, they're thinking, what in the world is in the boat with us? It was the Lord God Almighty in the boat with those disciples. The Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who calms every storm, is in the boat with you, men and women. He is present. If you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior who made that response to his blessing, you don't have to come to church to experience the presence of God. I mean, it's great to experience the presence of God together, but you don't have to come to church because Scripture tells us that his present living Holy Spirit is with you right now, present inside. He is with you, men and women, so that every promise of God can be banked on and every storm can be gone through because he is with me. I say, how leads to that, that, that he is present and with me? And I can accomplish all that he has called me to accomplish this day and this week because he is. Wouldn't it be great to wake up every morning this week? Just remind yourself, the living God is in my boat. He's with me. He will bless me. He has got me as part of the capital C church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. I am part of this great mission and he is present every moment of that to move me forward. So what do you do with all this great truth? How do you live it out? Because if you came to church and you've heard a bunch of messages, you know this, that if you don't walk out doing something different, if you are not changed by God's spirit, then you're just wasting your time. I was wasting my breath. I pray that will not be the case. So what do you do with this? What do you do in response to this, this word from God that he will bless you? You respond to that blessing, don't you? How do you respond best to the blessing of God? First, I just want to encourage you strongly to lean hard into his promises. To lean into them, to enjoy them, to revel in them, to know that he's faithful Unlike other people or experiences you might have experienced, God is going to be faithful to you every moment. And he loves you as his child. I don't know why. I, I look in the mirror and I'm, sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know why, Lord, but thank you. Help me to trust you. Expand the borders of my faith to lean into your promises for me. And second, let me strongly encourage you to be part of his building project this week. He is building his church with you or without you. 
with our partnership or without our partnership. But He wants our partnership. And He wants to use you. And that's where joy is found. When at the end of the week, you can look back and say, oh my goodness, Lord, you allowed me to have a conversation this week finally with my neighbor who does not know you. Oh Lord, thank you for that moment at school or at work where that, that just it cracked open for the first time and they asked me. Or maybe it was at the market, wherever it might have been, you're, you're looking to build the church by making disciples. That's your job. Don't walk out of here with any confusion. That's, that's your mission this week. And he is faithful and powerful and true in you to accomplish great things. Finally, make your decisions. Every decision this week, as if he is right here present with you. Because he is. He is in your boat. And he calls you to live a life knowing that and responsive to that with all the joy that that entails and all the power to live this week that that entails. Let me pray for you, if I might, please. Father God, thank you for these dear brothers and sisters in you, for the partnership in the kingdom that we have, for the affection that you have given us and that we have under your cross. Thank you, Father, for blessing us and promising to bless us, though we do not deserve it. You love us and you love to pour out your grace and mercy. I pray, Father, for anybody that came here who was separated from you. Father, would you draw them to yourself, move them to a place where they would say yes to you by faith, trust you. I pray, Father, that you would help us as your church to move forward, to advance this week for the sake of your name and for those who have yet to know you and And Father, I pray that you would make a difference in us and through us. And we rejoice, Lord, as your people, because you are present with us, the living God in our boat. We give you glory. And all God's people said, Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.